I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. What's going on, Rush Nation? It's Murph here. It's Saturday, believe it or not. Um, and I thought I would jump in with the, some more look aheads for week 13. So apologies, this is a bit late. This was supposed to be done on Friday, and then unfortunately, my office is pretty close to London Bridge. And as much as I didn't see anything that happened, and for those of you that have lived under a rock, there was a bit of an incident yesterday. And that meant that due to what was going on and due to the nature of some of the bits and pieces that were happening with that incident, it was impossible to get my mind right to record my offices. Probably about 500, just... A, 500 meters just maybe a little bit over that she is probably a little bit more maybe about 750 meters from um, where the attack actually happened and so I walk that route every day and yeah just watching it on tv was and then thinking about that's my route home as well through London Bridge and there's a lot of things to sort of consider um, getting home that way and then um, they started cordoning off the area so um, basically, long story short, it just didn't make it uh, possible to record. And and then even when I got home, I wasn't quite in the right frame of mind 
to do that. Had, uh, thanks to people that reached out. I mean, listen, I wasn't involved in the incident. It was it was fine. Just it's quite scary when something like that happens. It's literally on a route that you take every day, and it is right on your your doorstep. And especially when that affects your your route home as well, and it makes you go a different route that takes sort of potentially longer to to get home as well. It does just you know leaves a bit of a, a weird feeling and. You know, my thoughts are with uh, those who were hurt and killed in the attacks. And yeah, it, you know, it's it's one of those things. But, you know, from my side, I'm very fortunate that uh, it wasn't at the time that I would normally be heading home and would have been in the middle of that. So that's something to be thankful for. So just on the nature of this, I'm going to go through, I went through eight of the games on Wednesday. I'm going to be going through six of the games now in this somewhat, short pod and then i'm going to cover off sunday night football and monday night football separately and you'll have that out on hopefully by midday sunday so that you've got plenty of time to make adjustments um but i just wanted to do it this way just so i could get something out to you uh to consider overnight and to consider very early in the morning when thinking about your team and then we'll cover off the last four teams for fantasy uh, early tomorrow morning so I'm going to start with Steelers v. Browns. I wanted to hold off on this one until today, just until we got a bit more news in terms of what's going on with the team. So I wanted to know about the situations at running back and wide receiver, uh, talk a little bit about the Browns' resurgence, and then obviously the, the third question being who to start. So looking at last week, Benny Snell led the running back core in snaps with 49% and also in attempts with 55%. And it looks like Connor is highly doubtful for this game. And it means that we could be expecting to see Benny Snell taking up maybe even a larger share of that, given the success he had. Um, And it means that Jalen Samuels is very much just a a flex at best option. In fact, I wouldn't even say with that. And he's only going to be really a, a passing down back. So, something not to overly consider here for him. And it's uh, wheels up Benny Snell this week. Now, with Juju out, and he's out again this week, Washington ran a, a route 91% of the time on dropbacks, and he also had 54% of the team's air yards. So it, it's clear to me now, with Juju not in the team, that James Washington will be the one that has the ball or be getting the ball more. Although with Doug Hodges, it does add a little bit of a question mark as to whether it be him or whether it be Deontay Johnson is, is a different man on the center. And that, you know, we don't have any analysis for what Doug Hodges does without Juju on the field, given that it's such a small sample size that Doug Hodges has played. So, you know, at the end of the day, what what do you make of this wide receiver core? I still expect Washington to be the man, but I would also be a little bit cautious as to his ceiling. And I think with a guy like Doug Hodges, I wouldn't be sitting there overly looking at what he could do. And if you look at the yardage last week, you know, Duck Hodges got most of that on one play to Washington, which Washington did well to to beat the tackle and to run it in. So don't overbuy into this Steelers offense this week. And they're also facing a good defense with the Browns uh, with very good corners. So it's something, you know, to keep an eye on. And you might have to roll Williams, Washington out there, but it's not something I'd be looking to bet on too much. But now I want to focus a little bit on the Browns resurgence. So, Baker Mayfield has three QB1 performances in a row. His last three games, his fantasy points have been 17.6, 21.8, and 23.6. So he is somebody that you can definitely start this week. He'll be in that 
sort of high-end QB2, maybe low-end QB1 conversation. Nick Chubb uh, played 57% of snaps last time out. In his last three games, he's had two over 100-yard games. In that third game, he got 92 yards. So again, he's someone that you can very comfortably roll out there. Hunt isn't taking away from his role as much as most of us have feared, at least at this stage. He is involved a little bit in the game, but he's not something to overly fear at this stage. He's also not startable in his own right. And the two wide receivers, Landry and OBJ, are really starting to get going. Landry's had not a bad year. OBJ has been not as good, and therefore he is starting to pick up steam. He got in the end zone last time out. So both those guys, as the schedule gets easier, should be trending up. So keep backing that Browns resurgence. They're kind of uh, playing for their coach right now, and they still believe they've got an outside chance of the playoffs. So when I'm looking at players to potentially start this week, for the Steelers, it's very, very thin. It's Snell, who's an RB2. Washington is sort of a low-end wide receiver three, maybe a high-end wide receiver four. And you've got Vance McDonald, who's a tight end one, tight end two. And you could, if you're really desperate, roll Deontay Johnson out there, but you'd have to be pretty desperate to, to want to do that. Whereas the Browns, it's slightly better. I put Baker Mayfield in a QB2 situation just because of how good the Steelers' defense is and something to be slightly wary of. There are better starts out there, but Baker's not a terrible option to, to roll out there. There are certainly worse this week you can roll out. Chubb is obviously a uh, running back one. He should finish comfortably in the top 12 point uh, top twelve running backs this week. And I've put OBJ and Landry in sort of the wide receiver two conversation. Landry could slip into the wide receiver three conversation, although he has been performing better than OBJ. I'd expect the pressure of him to make the big plays in this big derby will be important. So that would be who I'm thinking about starting and where I would be thinking of what they're going to get this week. Now moving on to uh, Giants versus Packers. So really keen to delve a bit more into the Packers' backfield and who's going to be getting the work. I wonder who's starting for the Giants because every week they seem to be banged up. And then, of course, who is it that we should be considering starting for this game? So at the running backs, Jones and Williams have pretty much split the backfield carries in the last two games. Jones is edging the running, uh, the rushing carries, whereas it, Williams tends to edge the uh, roots run and um, whenever it's a passing play, he tends to be on there a bit more. So the other thing to consider is that Jones is still the goal line back, which is why he's the most precious. So even though Williams has caught a couple of touchdowns this year, in terms of goal line carries, Jones is still leading that 15-2 to two so far this season. So Jones is the one you'd rather have, even though that the carries are even and it is almost a, a running back by committee. Jones is still the one you'd have more confidence in because he's got the ability to get multiple touchdowns down by the goal line, whereas Williams will still have competitions with targets from Lazard and Graham and, and Adams, etc. So it's a pretty even workload back there. Jones has been the most efficient. I don't quite understand why Williams gets as much work in the backfield as he is, but it's bad news if you're uh, an Aaron Jones fan. It's part of the reason why I stayed away from him in so many drafts was that fear of what they might do with Williams. There was talk of this when Lafleur got the job and it proved to be that at every turn, whenever he's had a chance, he's tend to have this as a running back by committee. So something to be considering, but it also means it caps Williams' ceiling. He's not someone that's producing high amounts of fantasy points. So he's someone that's a touchdown, a bust kind of start uh, at this stage. Now looking at the injuries for the Giants, we know that Engram is out and we know that Golden Tate is out. 
So we're looking at a very thin starting lineup for them. But the good news is, if you're Sterling Shepherd owner, is he ran a route on, or he basically played ran a route on 100% of passing plays, and he played on 100% of passing plays, and he also had 25% of the team's targets, and that's according to uh, Dwayne McVarlane's utilization report. Apologies for that. That report is really useful. Um, it really helps break down who's getting the carries and how they're doing it in terms of uh, number of dropbacks, etc. So. We're seeing that Tate is running routes on 100% of passing plays. He's he's on the field 100% of passing plays. So he's the true sort of wide receiver one there. And it does mean that with Engram and Tate out, it is very, very thin. Um, they also have uh, Rhett Ellison out as well. So they're down to their tight end three. So don't expect him to get a ton of work. He might be somewhat involved in the game. But it's really only four guys on the Giants that you really need to be worried about. And then something I keep seeing a lot is a lot of people keep pushing and expecting Aaron Rodgers to have a great game this week because it's the Giants. And listen, the matchup looks absolutely great, and it, and it, it really does. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers has really only had a top 12 performance in four of 11 weeks this season. I saw someone contemplating dropping Lamar Jackson for Aaron Rodgers this week, which I just think is absolutely baffling. Uh, I don't know why you would even consider that. And it's a proof that you can almost take the matchups a little bit too much. Like, oh, Lamar's playing the, the best the best defense in football. Well, first of all, they're the second best defense in football. And first of all, he completely carved up the best defense in football, which was the New England Patriots, when he played him a couple of weeks ago. So you haven't got anything to fear. Um, Lamar Jackson is the QB1, is completely matchup proof. It's the same way that everyone last season, you would never have contemplated benching Mahomes. Uh, Lamar Jackson's had 10 uh, weeks where he has been a top 12 fantasy scorer. So, you know, Aaron Rodgers isn't expected. And I I wouldn't be shocked. I've got him in the QB1 rankings. But if he was a QB2 this week, given what we've seen this season, the way the Matt floor runs that offense, I wouldn't be overly shocked. So starting this week for me, uh, Jones is a QB2 for the Giants. Barkley is an RB1. But again, wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't live up to his full potential, as I was saying last week. Still don't think there's something that's quite right there. Sterling Shepard, despite all the, the plays he's on, I still think he's a, a wide receiver three. Wouldn't surprise me if he snuck into the wide receiver two conversation. And you can roll Darius Slayton out there as a low-end wide receiver three, maybe a wide receiver four. Um, but he should have reasonable amount of uh, points this week and is worth starting in deeper leagues. Whereas uh, for the Packers, I do have Rodgers in the QB1 position. But again, wouldn't shock me if he didn't get up to that height he has been, uh, you know, ranked under the QB20 position, I think like five or six times this season. It's been really shocking. He's not had a great fantasy year. Jones, I put in the RB1 conversation. I do expect him to get the, the goal line work, and that's what puts him in that conversation. Whereas I expect Williams to be the RB3. I just think he's capped to uh, receiving touchdowns, and that's what will bring him into the RB2 conversation. But until that happens on a frequent basis, he's an RB3 for me. Um, and then you've got... Devontae Adams is a wide receiver one. You've got Aaron Lazard, who's a wide receiver three. And you've got uh, Jimmy Graham, who is a a tight end two. It's worth mentioning that Lazard is third in targets in this team. And so if you're holding on to Geronimo Anderson or MVS, you can just drop them. They're not relevant in this uh, team anymore. And there's not enough offense to sustain that many targets and that many receivers. Moving on to Jags versus Bucks. Um, really want to know if I can start Foles this week and has he been as bad as it looks? Um, can I start Ro- uh, Rojo and 
building on what I talked about with him last week, and then um, who should I start in the game? So Tampa have the second worst defense to quarterbacks. You know, they've given up 28 TDs to QBs this year, and they're giving up 23.1 fantasy points per game to quarterbacks. Foles in his last two games hasn't been that bad. Um, in the first game back, he was 296, two TDs and one INT. Um, last week, he was 272 yards, no reception, no interceptions, no uh, touchdowns. Uh, he has no rushing floor, so he does need to really attack the secondary if he's going to reach the heights. And as we were saying earlier on in the week, I think this is the game for Foles where he has to be looking and proving that he's the quarterback going forward. You've got a young secondary there for the Buccaneers where they're going to be rolling out Jamal Dean, who's a rookie, and Carlton Davis, who's a second-year player. And when you've got the likes of Chark and Westbrook, Conley, they should all be able to produce this week with good passing, good routes, good throws. So I think you can start Foles. I don't think he's a top 12 must start, but I do think he's a viable starter if if you have him and you've held on to him or you've recently picked him up. As for Rojo, so his last uh, four games, he's had 55% of snaps, 46% of snaps, 30% of snaps, 50% of snaps. And that's come in a margin of victory where in the 55% of snaps, it was minus six. In the 43, 6% of snaps, it was uh, plus three. In the 30% of snaps, it was minus 17. In the 50% of snaps, it came with a 13-point victory. So the reason that's key is, is why I expanded upon last week when looking at Rojo's usage. Um, if the Buccaneers go down early and they're trailing heavily early, they will just abandon the run. What they really want to do is establish the run early on with, with Rojo and they want to use that to stay in games, get ahead and then keep uh, keep pounding the rock and, and using that to extend drives and, and really sort of uh, keep the time position in their favour. Um, and then they kind of lean towards someone like Peyton Barber late on in the game. Um, Rojo's not quite had the, the volume that perhaps he's earned or, or should have done. But uh, when you're looking at a game against the Jags, it should be a game that you look at on paper and think the Buccaneers can compete in this game. And as a result, you should expect Rojo to have some some ability to run the football here. So I think he is a viable starter this week. Um, people that are worried about the Saxonville defense and how good this this Jacksonville defense is, you know, they're the third worst fantasy defense against the run. So they've given up 14 touchdowns against running backs. Uh, that's the third worst in the in, in the NFL this season, and they've given up 1,310 yards, which is the second most amount of rushing yards given up in the NFL. So this defense isn't that good. Um, it's certainly not as good as as the name and the reputation precedes it. So Rojo can easily uh, break off here, and he should be able to get some some runs going, and he should be able to get the, in the end zone as well. So I like Rojo as a start. I think there's better starters, but I think if you have him on your roster, he's a must-start this week. So talking about starters, we've got Foles in the QB2 conversation, or Fournette in the RB2 conversation. I just think this, this Bucks defense will keep Fournette at bay, but I do think he could maybe sneak into the end zone if they get down there. Um, I really like Charka's play this week. He's a wide receiver one, maybe slips into the wide receiver two conversation for me this week. D.D. Westbrook is a wide receiver two. He, again, could slip into the wide receiver three. And then Conley is a wide receiver three, maybe a wide receiver four. He has severe upside for me. Wouldn't shock me if he finished up in the wide receiver two conversation. Buccaneers, it's, it's a really narrow team now. It's Winston, who's a QB1. Jones is an RB2. You've got Evans and Godwins, who are wide receiver ones. 
ignore the tight end position, ignore a third receiver. Uh, that's it. That's all you need to know about the Buccaneers. And that's all you're going to need to know going forward for the rest of the season. Just those four guys. You don't need to pick up Barber. You don't need to pick up anybody else. Play those four guys and uh, you should be fine. There might be some games where Rojo isn't considered a starter, but this is a game that you can definitely start in. Moving on to Cardinals uh, versus the Rams. So I want to know what do I do with Gurley? I also then want to look at what Cardinals uh, running backs and wide receivers are going to be out there and uh, who who necessary to be focusing on, and then also who do I start. So last week, Gurley had, uh, was on the field for 96% of the snaps, considering the fact he had very low volume uh, with the football, given the fact that the Rams were behind so early to Baltimore. But he also uh, was on the field for 67%, or he also had 67% of the attempts. So it's a high number he's getting out of that backfield. It's worth noting Darrell Henderson had 0% of snaps, so he is irrelevant if you're holding on to him and it's not Dynasty League. You can drop him. He's just burning a spot now. You know, in terms of the Rams, they're the lowest They're the lowest percentage team in terms of throwing the ball to running backs. They're not involving them in the passing game. And it's such a shame because Gurley's actually running okay. He's not going to be a league winner as it stands, and he's very much a game script dependent back. But having said that, this is a perfect game for him. This is the sort of game that the Rams can get ahead early. They can stay ahead and they can use Gurley to to run the ball. So this is something that should suit Gurley. I wouldn't say every week between now and the end of the season, he's a viable starter or he, I mean, he'll start, but in terms of viable uh, RB1, high RB2 option. But this week he, he certainly is. Now, when I'm looking at the Cardinals, it's pretty simple to me. A lot of people are harboring on to David Johnson and, and other players, but really it's, it's Kerryon Drake for, or Kenyon Drake for the last three weeks. Kenyon Drake has had the majority of the carries. So last week he was the only RB with carries last, last week. Uh, he had 63% of the carries in week 11, 88% of the carries in week 10. So, you know, Drake is the man in the backfield. And if Edmonds does come back this week, he's only going to hurt Johnson. I don't think he's going to take too much from, from Drake. They traded for him. They obviously like what he does. Um, I think David Johnson is effectively a glorified blocker at this stage. Edmonds might have some more uh, viability than David Johnson, but that whole other position to mess. You can start Drake with confidence. Uh, his upside is limited because of those other guys, but he's still going to have enough volume to be a safe RB2 play. In terms of the wide receivers, um, there's a lot of wide receivers out there, but really it's only Fitzgerald and it's only Kirk. They're not throwing the ball enough to make any of the other wide receivers viable. You've got Andy Isabella, but you're hoping on a big play like he did against San Francisco a few weeks ago. But if that doesn't happen, he is irrelevant. So it's going to be Kirk. It's going to be uh, Fitz. And the only question is going to be who's going to cover, uh, who is who? who is Jalen Ramsey going to cover? Is it going to be Fitzgerald? Is it going to be uh, Kirk? My money would be on Kirk. I think he's the biggest threat. But we all seen what uh, Fitz has done over the years. So I would expect Fitz to maybe play out of that sort of slot receiver role. And therefore, I'd expect Kirk to be the man covered by Ramsey. So he could be somewhat uh, limited this week. So in terms of players to consider, uh, kind of mode for me is a QB2 this week. Uh, as much as the Rams are a bit cannon fodder at the moment, I just think he's going to be somewhat handicapped in this game to get into that QB1 conversation. Drake is a running back too. 
Um, I put Kirk in there, even though he's going to have uh, Ramsey on him potentially as a wide receiver too. As do you think he breaks off enough plays just due to the volume? Fitz is a very high-end uh, wide receiver three for me. In terms of the Rams, I wouldn't start Goff, as I've said. Uh, even in this game, I still don't think he's a worthy starter unless you're absolutely stuck. Gurley's a high-end RB2 for me. Cup is a, a wide receiver one for me. I do think he can, he's due a game now where he breaks back to where he was and getting that kind of volume. I put Woods in that sort of wide receiver three conversation. Cooks is a, a wide receiver four. And a sneaky tight end play, if you're really desperate, is Tyler Higby. Tyler Higby could potentially be a decent tight end option this week if you're absolutely desperate and need one because Gerald Everett is out this week. Moving on to Chiefs Raiders, this is a pretty narrow game for fantasy. So the key thing to look at is injuries for this game and then where potentially the ball's going to go to for Oakland and then who to start. And the two big injuries in this game is Damian Williams is out with his rib injury. That means more work for Sean McCoy. And it also means that Darrell Williams could also have more touches and could be a sneaky play this week. And then Hunter Renfro is out for the Raiders. This should see an uptick for Darren Waller, and you should also see potentially more out of Tyrell Williams. So I'd expect Waller and Williams to lead the team in targets, but I'd also, as I mentioned on last week's podcast, for looking ahead, look at Zay Jones. His usage uh, and snap counts have increased, and I do think he'll effectively play that other receiver He's going to be a real gamble play this week. And if you're in a really deep league and you're really stuck, then stick him in because he's the sort of player that could break off uh, 60 in a touchdown or, or 80 in a touchdown. He could even get two touchdowns. But having said that, this this Kansas City's defense is, is really good. It's actually the fourth best against the pass for fantasy defenses for against wide receivers. So don't expect too much, um, even though I've just talked about there. Zay Jones could... Uh, break off a really sneaky game so I guess the, the get the big note I put here is don't fall into the volume trap just because these guys are going to have some volume uh, doesn't necessarily mean that they, it makes them absolutely brilliant starts so um, if I'm looking at the Chiefs Mahomes is obviously a QB1 I've got McCoy in the the RB2 conversation right now Hill is obviously a wide receiver one I've got Watkins as a wide receiver three and then I've got Robinson Harbin as a wide receiver four wide receiver five play in deeper leagues they might be worth just a, an upside push and then you're obviously starting Kelsey as a tight end one and then when it comes to the Raiders uh, Carr is a QB2 this week I think he's going to see a lot of pressure um, Jacobs I think is a running back one this week he's a low end RB1 wouldn't be surprised if he's high end RB2 this week you've got Terrell Williams he is a I'd say he's a wide receiver three just due to he might get a bump in volume but um, he hasn't scored a touchdown uh, as frequently as he was early in the season. Say Jones is someone who's very sneaky. I've got him in the wide receiver five, wide receiver six conversation at the moment. Wouldn't be surprised if he jumped off the board uh, a little bit higher this week. And then Darren Waller, of course, is a tight end one. And I think he is someone who could potentially be climbing up uh, and getting more volume this week. The last game I'm going to talk about um, in this podcast is the Broncos versus the Chargers. Uh, this is a really narrow game for fantasy. There's not too many options to talk about here. So um, the only thing I'm really concerned about that I didn't already know coming into this week is, is it time to cut Freeman? I mentioned last week that his usage has gone down. I think because it's a narrow game, I'm just, I pretty much know uh, what my plays are. It's just where do they kind of rank and, and is there any upside, low side to them, which I'll talk about when I talk about who to start. In the last game, Lindsay had 76% of snaps. Uh, Royce Freeman only had 12% snaps. 
It really was only down to two carries. So Freeman for me is borderline droppable. He's just a handcuff at this rate now. He's not someone that is viable going forward. Lindsay is a solid uh, running back to play. Uh, he needs to get more receptions out of this backfield. Uh, he isn't getting enough under with Brandon Allen. He's getting more uh, under Joe Flacco, uh, which is a shame. If Drew Locke comes in, that obviously changes. And Drew Locke might use him as a safety valve. So that's something to keep an eye on. And that's something that could happen. We don't know how Drew Locke's going to play in the NFL. So I'd expect him potentially to go this week if it's not Brandon Allen. Um, and I could see that happening, given the fact that the Broncos don't have anything to play for. So if that if that happens, then we don't really know what's going to happen. Uh, with Lindsay. So when it comes to ranking the Broncos this week, you don't need to start a quarterback for them. They're going to be a ropey option either way. Lindsay is a running back too, just sheerly on the volume he's getting in the backfield. Cortland Sutton's a wide receiver too. It's a cautious play just because we're not necessarily sure who's going to be the quarterback. And then Fant is a tight end too. Uh, he wouldn't surprise me if he falls into the tight end one conversation, given the fact he's getting sort of 20, 25% of the targets. I think in the last game, he had 25% of the targets. So he's getting a lot of volume there, Fan. And he's someone who could do quite a lot with that. It's just a case of who, how's that going to work potentially with Drew Locke under center. With the Chargers, I haven't talked about them much because there's not much to talk about with the Chargers. They are what they are. We, we kind of know what the options are there. You don't start Rivers unless you're in a 2QB league. Gordon is a running back two who could be a running back one with volume. We know what he can do, um, but the Broncos are a good defense. Uh, Eckler is a running back two if it's in PPR. It's a running back three if he's not. We know that he basically just catches passes. He's not going to do a lot out of the backfield unless he's catching the ball. We know that Keenan Allen uh, is potentially a wide receiver one, but I think he gets the Chris Harris treatment. So I've dropped him down to the wide receiver two conversation as a result. We know Mike Williams has not performed, especially in the touchdown column this year. So he's under uh, the wide receiver three. He might get the Chris Harris treatment because of the way Keenan Allen kind of plays out of the slot, which means that Harris might take control of him. If that's the case, um, I worry for Mike Williams. So he can he has speed and he can break away, but you know Chris Harris is a great corner, and Mike Williams has yet to really deliver this season in fantasy football. So uh, I've got him in the wide, wide receiver three conversation, but actually he could drop below that. Um, later on, so he's a very cautious start if you need to, not because you want to kind of play. And Hunter Henry, of course, is, is the tight end one. So that will do it for this podcast. That's six games. We've covered 14 games in depth with you. Hope this has given you an idea as to who you can consider starting, and this should at least take care of those options uh, early doors tomorrow morning. Uh, I will do a podcast that will finish off the other two. Apologies, it's, it's kind of gone in three stints and not two. Um, some things happen outside of, of our control. Last note from me this week, or actually two, one is apologies for our guest. He wasn't able to make it again this week, um, which is unfortunate. Um, we have a different guest this week who Stocks will be talking to. I will not be on the flagship podcast or the guest podcast this week. Um, I've just got a few things I need to do. So you should hear Lee on one of those and Stocks will take care of our guest. But I will still be around for the Wave Wire podcast. And also these look ahead podcasts as well, I will continue to do. And then as regards to my other note is you've seen on Twitter that ironically, I won the Derwin James jersey from the Kickers Matter podcast raffle. Kind of wasn't expecting it because I don't win raffles, but I have donated that Mac to Jack to uh, give away again to raise money for cancer uh, research after the loss of Steve. Jack or Jack's mom as well has 
also suffering from cancer. Um, I, my couple of my family members have passed away with cancer in the past. It's a great cause. I, I really admire the work that Jack is is doing, and uh, this was my way of of doing my bit. So, you know, truly best to win a, a Derwin James jersey. But uh, to be honest, I would rather raise more money for cancer research. So follow the tweet that we sent out. Follow the Kickers Matter channel. Um, find how where you can draw it's new entries only that was my only stipulation just so that new money could be raised in order for more money to go to cancer research so if you enter the first time round, you have to donate again but i mean for a great prize it is um definitely do it but that will do it for this week rush nation until tomorrow keep rushing HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.